Man, you may be seated tonight. Good to see you on Wednesday. And I have to tell you, it encouraged my heart when I pulled into the parking lot tonight, uh, seeing all the cars that are out there. And oftentimes, you know, Wednesday night is the least attended service. I think that's probably across the board uh, in America. Uh, Wednesday night is the least attended church service throughout the entire week. And I know a lot of folks may not get off work in time and can't make it and not persecuting them for that by no means. Uh, But when you see folks out on kind of a, a rough weather Wednesday night, uh, coming to the house of God, bringing their family to the house of God. Boy, it encourages my heart to see folks that are able to come and be here and are faithful to be here. And I was thinking as we walked over this afternoon about uh, all throughout Scripture, God's had a remnant. You know, no matter how bad things got and no matter how much of a falling away there was amongst the ranks of God's people all throughout the history of mankind, God always had a remnant of people that were faithful and who walked with God and stuck with God through thick and through thin. And I know there's some things tonight that want to allow some folks to come, health and other issues tonight, and I'm thankful they can tune in on our live stream. But it is good to see all of you here tonight. You encourage my heart uh, just by being here. And if you'll keep smiling, that'll encourage my heart even more. That may be too much to ask. I don't know, but I would appreciate it uh, if you would. Genesis chapter 6. Let's jump in if we could. I told you I'm going to try on Wednesday nights not to do too much rabbit chasing. Brother Michael is on the front row with his gun ready to go. He asked me the other day, he says, you think I ought to get a Nerf gun? I said, no, you'd have too much fun with that, firing Nerf darts at me. Then all of you would volunteer for the job to shoot the rabbits, uh, but we're not going to do that tonight. do want to jump in. I don't want to take any more time than the Lord would have us to, but I'm thankful we can go to the Word of God in the middle of our week and get exactly what we need to finish out the rest of the week. And the good thing about our Father is He knows everything. He knows what's on your heart right now. He knows what you went through today. He knows what you went through yesterday. He knows the burdens you came with here tonight. And uh, I can't meet all of them. Boy, if I tried to meet all the needs that are here tonight, my head would explode. I have a tough enough time keeping up with the needs of the two girls I have in my house. I can't imagine all the folks that are here tonight. But I have good news for you. Your father can. And he wants to meet your need through his word tonight if we'll just pay attention and open our hearts to receive the message. Genesis chapter 6, and uh, we're going to read a little bit about Noah tonight. And for the sake of time, I believe you know uh, most of the story here. Let's look down, if we could, verse number 6. The Bible says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It goes on to give the generations of Noah. We're going to skip down if we could and look at verse number 13. The Bible says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Then behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. He gives some of the dimensions of the ark and some of the structure of the ark. And we're going to look down, if we could, for the sake of time tonight, skip down a little bit more, verse number number 18. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, I do thank you tonight, Lord, for those that are able to make it out and those that are tuning in. 
And I pray, Father, that we, as, we, as we gather together tonight, that, Lord, we would come with a genuine, authentic heart desiring to hear from you. Father, whether it be for needs that we have now in our life, or maybe, Father, you're going to give us something tonight that we're going to be needing tomorrow for needs we don't even know we have yet. Uh, Lord, I believe you can do both, and I pray that you'd help us tonight. Uh, Lord, if there's thoughts that creep into our heart and our mind while we're sitting here to distract us from hearing and receiving and responding to your word, help us, Father, Lord, to set those aside just for a little while that we might get what we need. And I pray your will would be done in the service tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the past few Sunday nights, we've not been able to really get into or get back into our series on finding the how to our now, uh, and felt led to do that tonight as we go into our marriage retreat tomorrow. Uh, we're going to pick back up in that series of finding the how to our now, uh, and we're going to have somewhat of a family addition to that in the message if we could, and I encourage you, whether you're a mom, a dad, grandma, grandpa, son, or daughter, I think that should cover most of us here tonight. Uh, there's something in the message for you because we are all part of a family. Whether you have your own yet or not, we are all part of a family. We all have a part to play in our family. Uh, and we need to know how we can fulfill God's will in our homes and our families right now. And I believe Noah is going to be one that we can look to tonight for a good example in that. Remember, finding and fulfilling God's will for our life. Let's go back to our theme real quick. Finding and fulfilling God's will for our life uh, is the result of finding and fulfilling God's will for each and every now that comes along our way, okay? Uh, if we want to get to the end of our life and look back and say, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith, I think all of us want that, correct? Uh, I think, look, if you're even a half the Christian, you ought to be. Something inside of you desires to be able to look back on your life one day and says, I did what God put me here to do. That burns deep within my heart as well. I want to hear well done one day, okay? Uh, I know there's rewards and I know there's crowns will lay at the feet of, of Christ, but just to hear well done uh, should mean the world to us to know that we fulfilled our now in our life. Now, we understand that's not magically going to happen one day. I was talking with someone this week uh, about older Christians and how we can glean from older Christians. And I've encouraged a lot of young people this week to do this very thing. You ought to find an older Christian that you look up to, uh, one who has a testimony of faith in their life. Uh, and you ought to go up to them and ask them, what made you who you are? How did you get to the place you are? I promise you they're not going to tell you that one morning they just woke up and boom, there it was. They were a godly Christian. That they ate a bowl of cereal and that was the magic moment in their life. They had some lucky charms and, you know, that leprechaun gave them the magic that they needed to become a godly husband or a godly wife. It doesn't just happen, okay? Becoming those people who walk with God, have a faithful testimony, it happens one now at a time. Learning to be faithful one now at a time. It's a lot like Charles Spurgeon said, by perseverance, even the snail reached the ark. You think about that. Boy, if I was a snail, thank God he didn't make me a snail because I'd be the most impatient snail in the world. Imagine that old snail, you know, watching the crickets hop past and head toward the ark and, and watching the caterpillars with all of their fancy legs showing out because they got all these legs and, and hurry onto the ark and here's the little snail. Look, I don't know exactly how it went down. I'm not pretending to know how it all went down, but somehow he got there, Correct. All right, by perseverance, even the snail made his way to the ark. But it was one inch at a time, one inch at a time. 
That's how we're going to fulfill God's will for our life. One now at a time. A little bit of ground. Let's cover a little bit of ground right now, a little bit of ground the next now, and a little bit of ground the next now. It's a lot like building. I was in uh, construction most of my life, even in ministry. Uh, most of my ministry, I was bivocational, working, uh, building houses, building business, whatever it was at the time. And it was amazing. We'd show up to a job site. There'd either be a dirt pad there or there'd be a concrete slab already in place and usually several bundles of two-by-fours. Oftentimes, for some reason, it was in the winter and they were covered in frost and you didn't want to get out of the truck and pop the bands on the two-by-fours because it was so cold, but that's how you put food on the table. And so we'd get there, we'd start working, we'd put down the base plates and we'd start standing up the stud walls and, and we'd put the braces and then the ceiling joists and one by one, we'd run the rafters and a few months down the road, usually more time than, uh, than we expected, we looked back and there was a house sitting there. Beautiful home, brick, painted Facial boards, I mean, shingles, everything is just right. But you know how the house got there? They didn't just drop it out of the sky with a helicopter. It got there one piece at a time. And folks, that's how we're going to become. You know the Bible talks about building up ourselves? Building up ourselves and our faith? How do we do that? One step of obedience at a time. Now, we're going to follow Noah tonight, specifically looking at this, finding the how. How did Noah fulfill God's will for his life? I'm going to tell you right off the bat, number one, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Number two, it wasn't quick. Over 100 years. But he did it. When you think Noah, what's the very next word you think about? Noah's Ark. Isn't that neat? See? You even know the testimony of Noah. He did it. He fulfilled what God left him here to do. But the neat thing was, it wasn't just Noah. He got his family on board as well. I want you to watch this tonight. Look, at some point, you're going to need the message that God's got for us, and I'm going to share it very simple. I'm not going to chase a lot of rabbits. I want you to hear this as we go into our marriage retreat this week, finding the how to our now, and we're going to look at the life of Noah. If Noah could do it, then we could do it as well. So let's look. Remember, each one of these has a need, an opportunity, and a work. Let's look at the need first tonight. What was the need that Noah had to address? Will you look at verse 6? The Bible says it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Verse 7, God's going to destroy everything. Then look down to verse number 13. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So we know what's about to happen. But what did God tell Noah in verse number 18? But with thee will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. The need tonight is very simple. Number one, the need was the preservation of his home. The preservation of his home. Now hear me out tonight. If there's one need on planet earth other than salvation, it's the need for the preservation of our homes. Now, when you read in Genesis and you flip over, matter of fact, flip over to Hebrews chapter number 11. I want to show you something because I want you to see how this ties in tonight with the great need that Noah had in his time. It's the same need that we have in our time. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith. Look down to verse number 6. The Bible says, but without faith, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Watch verse 7. 
By faith, Noah, here's our man, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the what? Saving of his house. What was the great need? Noah was building this ark out of obedience to God, but the need was for him to preserve his home and to preserve his family. Now hear me out tonight. God warned Noah of an overwhelming circumstance that was coming his way that would overwhelm his family had Noah not done what was needed. What was the need? Preserving his house. The Bible says Noah moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Now I want you to hear this tonight. Noah could not stop the flood. Noah could not stop the flood from coming. It was coming. God had decreed it. There's nothing Noah could do to stop those overwhelming circumstances that were coming his way. But watch this. We see that Noah found grace. And by the grace of God, although he could not prevent the flood from coming, he prepared his family for what was coming. Can I tell you what the great need is tonight? It hasn't changed in 6,000 years. The great need in the Christian home today is that moms and dads work together for the preserving of their home. I believe there's no greater battle on planet Earth right now other than to keep lost people lost than that of the home. And if you do not work to preserve your home, I promise you, you will be overwhelmed. You think about this flood. It's going to cover the earth. Everything's going to die. You can't stop it. Now, we're not staring down the threat of a flood, are we? Thank God he gave us a promise. Today, a couple of times, it was raining real hard, and all of a sudden, the sun would break through. I call that rainbow weather. Asked my daughter, but going down the road, I said, this is rainbow weather. And we start looking out the window. Probably, what would you say, 50, 50%? 50% of the time, we're right. There's a rainbow somewhere. Aren't you thankful for God's promise that we don't have to worry about the threat of a worldwide flood anymore? Thank God we don't suffer that threat. But just because we don't have that as a threat doesn't mean that we still don't face a threat. We do face a threat. And by the way, it's an overwhelming threat that seeks to destroy your family and your home. That's why we must follow the example of Noah and see there's a need out there for us to do what we can to prepare our families for the threat that's coming their way. I promise you, if you don't prepare for it, it's going to come. John 10.10, 10, the Bible says the thief has come, not but for to steal, to kill and destroy. Do you know that enemy, that thief is still here? He hasn't gone anywhere. You know, every night I tell you this all the time, and you probably laugh, but it's okay. I'm used to being laughed at. I've had these years my whole life, so I'm used to being laughed at, okay? I go through my house every night. I go check every door, make sure it's locked. We have three locks on every door, and we also have a ring doorbell now, so when that kid with the bad mullet in our neighborhood who comes and knocks on my door, the dings and dashes, I watch him do it every time. I'm like, it's a ring doorbell, buddy. I, I see you. And what's funny is you watch him go up there, and he, he just kind of like, oh, oh, oh. he knocks and he takes off running. I'm like, we're watching him the whole time. I'm, I think about putting it on our community Facebook page just to let him know, look, if he'll hang around, I'll answer it and find out what it is he needs, but he never hangs around long enough for me to, to answer his door. I check all the doors. Why? There's weirdos in our world. Anybody with a mullet's a weirdo, okay? There's weirdos in our world. 
And I want to protect my daughter, protect my wife, protect our home. I sleep with a, a pistol by my bed, all right? Don't surprise me. I'm just being honest with you, all right? Be careful. Even if you're bringing donuts, which I appreciate, be careful not to surprise me too much. Why? Because I'm going to protect my home. But you know there's a greater threat out there to our homes and our families than any man could ever do. And it's a spiritual threat. And if you don't work to follow the example, the need, what was motivating Noah? It says to the saving of his house. I told my wife on the way to church tonight, I fear that the home is the back door by which Satan is infiltrating the church. I want you to think about it. What did Jesus say? Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, all right? He is not going to prevail against the church. And so he's going back door, and he's going through the home. He's going through the home. You think about all the examples we have in Scripture in Genesis. How did Satan infiltrate God's perfect creation? It was through the home. It was through the home. I think about Abraham, one of the greatest scourges we face on planet Earth right now is Islamic terrorist. And all of that came from an indiscretion in the home. Abraham, Hagar, Ishmael, Osama bin Laden. You see, it was the home. It happened in the home. I think about Eli. Think about what happened in the life of Eli. He lost his testimony lost God's hand, lost the lives of his sons, and eventually would lose his life as well. Why? Because of the home. The devil got to the preacher through his home. If you don't think for a second tonight, the devil has designs for your family and designs for your home. You're spiritually naive, and you'll probably become a victim. Folks, we've got to answer the bell that Noah did. The need that he saw was for the preservation of his home. Now, how did he do that? I want to show you this real quickly. How did he do that? Well, back in Hebrews 11, I'll not turn back, the Bible says he moved with fear. He moved with fear to the saving of his house. Now, you look that up. It doesn't mean Noah was necessarily scared of water. You're thinking, well, Noah must not come be able to swim. No, that's not what it means. It means that Noah feared God. And what motivated Noah to be obedient to God was the fact that Noah feared God. Now, I want you to hear me out tonight. It's not that necessarily Noah was scared of God, like, oh, if I don't do this, God's going to hurt me. No, the fear of God is the proper reverence of God. That meant that God had the rightful place in Noah's life, and Noah reverenced God the way Noah should reverence God, and it was proven out in his obedience. Now stick with me. Do you know there's no difference for you and I tonight? Our obedience to God and what we do to preserve our homes is going to tell on us on whether or not we reverence God the way we should be reverencing God in our homes. Because I'll tell you this, you're going to reverence something. Hear me out. There is something in your life that's going to have the top spot. Something is just by the very nature of life. Something is going to have the ultimate influence on your life. And whatever that something is, is going to determine how you behave and your obedience to God. It's just a simple term for old-fashioned peer pressure. 
Do you know what pressured Noah? It was the one who he had at the top of his life. It was his God. And here's Noah saying, you want me to build this big old boat in the middle of nowhere? Boy, people are going to think that crazy. But watch this. Noah feared God more than he feared the people. He reverenced God more than he reverenced the people. You find people in the scriptures who were used of God that we look to as heroes. You're going to find people who had a healthy reverence of God. Old Daniel well, we're going to throw you down there in the lion's den, Daniel. I reverence God. I'm going to obey him. And I'm going to reverence him more than I'm going to reverence you. You can throw me in there. You see, Daniel had no fear of the lions because he had a fear of God. Watch that. When you have the proper reverence or fear of God, where you put God where he belongs in your life, all this other stuff can't scare you anymore. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. They, oh, please, please. No. Oh, king, we're not careful to answer thee. Man, something overshadowed the king. It was their God. You see the boldness you can have to be obedient to God, to stand up for your home, to raise your children right, to have them in church, and to tell them no from time to time. Man, I tell you, Brother Michael told me the other day, he says, Brother Jeremiah, don't worry if it gets quiet. It just means we're listening. I hope that's what that means. And amen every once in a while means you agree with the statement, okay? I hope you do. But hear me out. One of the first things my dad told me, we found out we were expecting he says, son, I'm not going to give you a lot of advice. And he really did. He says, teach your daughter the meaning of the word no. I'm like, well, that's a simple one. New parent. <laughs> New parent. We're still working on that one, aren't we, bud? No. You know why? Because I'm still working on it. You'll have the boldness to do what God says on behalf of your family if you just reverence God the way you ought to reverence God. The Bible says he moved with fear to the preparing of an ark for the saving of his house. He saved his family because God mattered that much. And when God has his rightful place in our life, you'll be willing to do all that it takes on behalf of your family. I believe next to salvation, that's the greatest need in the world today, the preserving of our homes. You're going to have to fight for your homes. You're going to have to work for your homes. Matter of fact, you look at that passage, and it says he prepared an ark. Do you know, how many of you have been to the ark up there in Kentucky? How many of you have been up there? I've been up there. They didn't build that in a week. Two weeks. I don't know how, how long it took them to build that thing. They had equipment, all right? They had people trained for that. Here's Noah. I mean, nobody ever built one before. But they did the work that was needed. Why? What was on the line? The preserving of his house. If you realize tonight what was at stake on whether or not you walked with God, were faithful to church, lived by the book, if you realize tonight that that's going to make the difference in whether or not you preserve your house, you'd be willing to do it. But the problem is we don't realize that's what's at stake. Number one, number one, what was the need? The preservation of his home. Oswald Chambers said this, the remar remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you don't fear God... You fear everything else. You see, when God's where he needs to be, there's nothing that overshadows him. When God is where he needs to be. I believe with all of my heart tonight, our obedience to God is a direct reflection of our reverence to God. When God is where he belongs in our life, he can say what we will and we obey. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is his Lord. <laughs> 
The Lord's where he belongs in our life. He's got to say so. Matter of fact, teenage girl years ago, I was a teenager in the youth department, and we would do youth activities with their youth department, and I know uh, her and this guy were kind of talking, you know, and trying to find out whether or not they were the ones for each other and all this. And I said, hey, how's that working out, you know? Because if it didn't work out for her, I thought it might work out for me, you know? So I was just checking it out, and I'll keep my options open, and uh, never hurts. I said, how did it work out? She goes, it's not. And I says, why not? She says, well, my dad said he didn't think that that was the guy I needed to be seeing. And so I just told him it wasn't going to work. I said, just like that? Your dad said you didn't think that was the guy and you said yes, sir? He said, yeah, I'm just going to honor my dad. And I believe God will settle it out the rest. Just seek to be obedient. Her dad had that rightful place in her life. Bible says that Noah moved with fear. Why? For the preservation of his home. Acts 5, you know it well. Peter under threat of death and persecution in prison. The Bible says Peter said we ought to obey God rather than man. Watch this. Peter didn't have to tell you God was first in his life. He didn't have to tell you. You saw it through his obedience. We ought to obey God rather than man. Peter feared God. Why didn't Joseph sin with Potiphar's wife? Genesis 39.9 says this. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What governed Joseph's obedience? It was God's place in his life. I can't sin against God. I can't sin against God. So tonight as we look at Noah, how did Noah fulfill God's will? Well, the need was the preservation of his home. The Bible says he prepared an ark. Can I ask you tonight, what are you doing actively tonight to prepare and preserve your home? What are you doing actively I promise you, I promise you, the devil is actively working at this very hour to destroy your home. What are you doing right now, right here tonight in your life for your family, for your husband, for your wife, for your parents? What are you doing to help preserve your home? Here's what's sad. What's sad tonight is we'll sit back and we'll watch television and complain about how godless, how godless the commercials are. But what's sad is the commercials are working harder to win our families than we are. They're working harder to win them over. They're working harder to get them on their side than we are. Why? Because we don't believe the threat is real. And yet Noah believed God that there was an enemy out there. Noah knew that something was coming and he moved with fear to prepare an ark. Now, folks, the enemy is still here to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's tr- that sweet little baby girl and baby boy, they're not sweet. They're handsome, right? Don't call a boy pretty. All right? I know how it is. There's no ugly babies. That's what they always tell me. I must be honest with you. I've been pastoring a long time, and I've been to the hospital for a few, and whoo, borderline. Borderline. That sweet little girl that you have, that handsome young man that you have, the devil would love nothing more than destroy them. The nice home you have, or at least the one you post on Facebook. There's a crosshair on it tonight. There's going to come a day. Read Job. Read Job. The Bible says there was a day. Oh, what a day. Oh, what a day. There's a day coming for your home. 
say it won't happen. There's a day coming. But you know what was awesome? You also read in Job 1, the Bible says, there was a man. There was a man. I'm thankful that there were days in my life as a teenager, there were days when the battle was fierce for me. I'm thankful there was a man. It's called my dad. He told me no. Sometimes he fought me to fight for me. There were times, I know you won't believe this, I could be stubborn, hard-headed. I know, I know you're thinking, man, God changed his life because he's not that now. Yeah, believe it or not, man, I was that young buck scraping the trees with my horns. Mark my spot. I can remember several times my dad, I told my this just yesterday, my dad looked at me in the eye and says, walk away. He knew he was probably going to hit me. <laughs> And he had enough God in him to hold him on the ground. He just said, walk away. That was probably the best thing that I could do at that moment. I'm so thankful when there was a day, there was a man. And that man fought to preserve our home. I don't think I'd be pastoring today if there hadn't been a man who was willing to fight for our home, to do what it takes, to do what it takes to fight off that overwhelming influence that was coming. I'm thankful for that today. So the need today, what is the need to preserve our home, whatever it takes? You ought to resolve tonight, whether your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your sister, your brother, no matter what it is, I'm going to do my part to preserve our home. Why? Because I want us all to make it on board. Amen? Then let's keep reading. The need, let's look at the opportunity. Remember, the need always gives way to the opportunity. And this is the good part. You look down to verse number 18. The Bible says, but with thee will I establish my, notice the next word, covenant. Covenant. That word covenant simply means a promise or an agreement. In this case, it means a solemn vow. Now, this is great. you got to see this tonight. The reason you need to fight to preserve your home is because of the opportunity. The opportunity is there's promises to be had. There's promises to be had. You see, you ought to be willing tonight to fight to preserve your home so that your home will live to have the promises of what God's prepared. Aren't you glad tonight we serve a God of promises? All right? They're not pipe dreams. They are promises. And when we do our part to fulfill obedience to the will and word of God, then we can claim those promises of what God's prepared for us. So watch the opportunity. There's promises to be had. Preserving his home was not just preserving it from something. you got to see this tonight, okay? Preserving his home, building the ark to the saving of his house, was not just saving his house from the flood. It was saving his house for the promise that God had prepared. Now, folks, you got to hear that out tonight. Look, we're not just shielding our children from the world. The world's real. It's bad. It's out there. I'm not pretending it's not. I'm preparing my child for the world to confront it and win it for the cause of Christ. But I'm preserving my child and preserving my home from the world so that they can enjoy the promises of God. And yet tonight, our children, our wives, our husbands, they're missing out on the promises that they could have because we haven't put in the work to preserve them from the threat. And they're missing it. They're missing it. This book is full of so many promises that we could have if we just were preserved long enough to enjoy them. I've told you many times, 
Uh, I've enjoyed many blessings in my life, not because I deserve them, because I had a mom and dad who fought to preserve us so that we could have the promises that God had prepared. A lot of times I feel like Mephibosheth. Remember him? Man, I feel like Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son. He was lame, okay? Physically lame, all right? You're thinking, well, I have a son that's lame. No, not like that, okay? He was physically lame, all right? And you know the progression of events when a new king takes over, the tradition was you go in and wipe out all the descendants of the old king. That way they can't come in and rise up and take the throne again. But somebody found little Mephibosheth the wounded grandson of Saul. Do you know what somebody did? Someone hit him. Someone hit him. David comes to the throne and says, are there any descendants of Saul? Somebody says there's a little boy with a clubbed foot. He says, bring him forward. Can you imagine how Mephibosheth felt? Well, here he goes. I hid out long enough, you know. He knows I'm alive. He's fixing to whack me right here. Listen to what the Bible says. 2 Samuel 9, And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. I'm going to show you kindness and blessing. He gave him back all of his land, his family land. All of what was promised to his dad and his grandfather, he now enjoys not because of anything he has done, but because of who his father was and who his grandfather was. You see, what are you trying to say tonight? I'm saying, I was that Mephibosheth. I don't deserve the blessings of God that I have in my life, but thank God somebody hid me. Somebody preserved me. And buddy, you're talking about a lame son. There were times I was really lame both ways, okay? We've all been that lame son that didn't deserve it. But thank God for a wonderful family. Look, it may not be your mom and dad. Look, maybe it was somebody else that helped preserve you. Hey, maybe it was a Christian school teacher who loved you enough to get in your face every once in a while. Maybe it was even a pastor with big ears and whose hair's falling out, just hypothetically speaking, who from time to time said something you didn't like to hear, but the whole goal was to preserve your life that one day you could have the promises. Why? Because it's great. It's great. I don't deserve it. But because I had a father who preserved our home, there's promises that I now have. You look at Noah. He says, Noah, I want you to build this ark to preserving of your home. Why? Because there's promises. Look at verse 18. But with thee will I establish my covenant. My covenant. There are promises that await the home that is willing this to fight, to preserve. Young people, listen to me. I know you hear this a lot. And maybe it would sound better coming from somebody else other than your pastor because maybe it just falls on deaf ears sometimes because you think it's my job. If you got a mom and dad a grandma and grandpa, an aunt or an uncle, a Christian school teacher, or just a good Christian friend who fights for you to preserve your, your heart, you ought to thank God for them. You ought to thank God for them. They're preserving. You say, well, they're just keeping me from all of this. Yes, yes, but that's just half the story. You see, the devil never tells you the whole truth. 
Go back to Genesis and listen to what he told Eve. He told her a half-truth. Yes, are they preserving you and keeping you from something? Absolutely. But they're keeping you from something because they're keeping you for something. And look, watch this. If you'll just work to be preserved, there's promises you can have. By the way, God's an equal opportunity promiser. If you're just willing to be obedient, God's willing to make sure you have what he promised. One of our favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. I'll hurry and give you the last point. It's most important. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts means plans or intentions. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God says, I have plans. It's an expected end. Now, obviously, that's eternal, but it's also in this life. God says, there's somewhere that I'm going with this preservation. It's called a promise. So what's the opportunity? The opportunity is there's promises to be had. So the need, the preserving of his home. He says, no, I'm fixing to destroy this thing. You need to get out there and work to preserve your home. Why? Because I'm going to make a covenant with them, the promises that they can have. And here comes the hard part. This is the key to it all. If there's anything you hear tonight, I want you to hear this. Now remember, this is for the entire family. If you look down... You look down at verse 18, I saw something I've never seen before in verse 18. The Bible says, but with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt, what's the next word? Come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Look at verse 19, and, every, and of every living thing, of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou what? Bring. You ever just have one of those light bulb moments where something jumps out at you? Isn't that horrible? Telemarketers calling you during church. Shame on you. I'm reading that. It says you and your family will come. The animals, I want you to bring them. But I want your family to come. One is willingly, and one is by force. Who got on the ark? Noah, his wife, his sons, and his sons' wives. They weren't brought on the ark. They came. They came. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Those boys were married. They were old enough to make their own decision. No, it didn't grab them by the ear. You know, you've all done it. The Bible says they came. Watch this. Those boys and their wives followed Noah onto the ark. He didn't bring them. They came willingly. Here's number three. What is the work? What is the work? That's the priority of the heart. The priority of the heart. Please hear me out. I prayed before I left the house. I said, Holy Spirit, I can't make this clear enough. I need your help. And so I'm going to ask him to help. And I hope you hear this exactly the way you need to hear it. Evidently, Noah won the heart of his family. So how do you know that? He didn't bring them. They came. 
they were willing to follow their father on board the ark. Why? Somewhere in the life of Noah, he won the heart of his family. And they were willing to follow that. Now, folks, hear me out tonight. The greatest work we can do for our spouses and for our children is to win their heart. Where we don't have to bring them to church anymore. They want to come to church. Why? Because we've won their heart and we have invested in their life and we've won them over. I told you, it's a shame we complain about the commercials, but they work harder to win our children's heart than we do. You watch what they're advertising and drink this and wear this and go here and do this and act this way. I mean, the commercials are horrible nowadays. You know what they're doing? They're working. They're saying, hey, I want your kids. I want your kids to act this way and live this way and dress this way. And we see it in our kids' life. And the sad truth is that the commercials are working harder to win our kids' hearts than we are. You say, how do you know that? Just look at them. They're winning. Look at the world. They're winning and we're not. Do you know why? Here's what I fear. I fear we're not doing the work to win our family's hearts. Husbands, what are you doing to win your wife's heart? Wives, what are you doing to win your husband's heart? Mom and dad, what are you doing to win your kid's heart? Look, can I give you something? I know you heard it, but this is the truth tonight. It's not the stuff you should work for. It's their hearts you should work for. One day, all the stuff that we're giving them and the shoes and the games, nothing wrong. Hey, there's nothing wrong in its place, but one day, all that's going to a landfill. You know that, right? All right, look, I got a Nintendo somewhere, the old one, the man's Nintendo, with the up, down, left, right, A, and B, all right? All you other guys need all these extra buttons and joysticks and X's and Y's and boxes and circles and all that. Real men, all we needed was an A and a B and an up, down, and a left, right? No, that's all my brain could handle, to be honest. I watch you guys play all that blows my mind. I can't tell you where that thing is at. My mom and dad, 1987, 86, 87, they bought us the first one that ever came out. You know, the one where you had to, you blow in it, and you put it, and you push down, and then you had to pop it up, pull it again. You're just blowing all this spit down in there, you know, and finally Mario starts working. We had one of the first ones. It even had this robot called Rob, and he would play with you. One of the original Nintendos. I mean, we had one. I don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at. My dad bought me a BMX bike one time. It was red with gold trim and white tires. I was the guy in the neighborhood. My bike had white tires. It was cool. I don't know where it's at. My dad would work out of town in Vicksburg. He'd come back. Every time he came back from Vicksburg, they were doing the waterways experience station there on Hall Street Road in Vicksburg. And dad was a superintendent over all of that. And he'd come home. He'd always bring us something. And one day he brought me this tank. And the tank would actually fire smoke. Once again, coolest guy in the neighborhood. By the way, I lived at the end of a dirt road, okay? So my neighborhood was small. <laughs> it was only my family on the road. So, okay, so I have to be honest with you. I was the coolest guy in my house until my brother was born. And then that went down the tubes anyway. I don't know where the tank is. I don't know where the tank is. All of those things that my dad worked for, and I'm thankful for that, they're, they're gone. But somewhere in between all of those things, there were the fishing trips to the dead lake over in New Hebrew, Mississippi, where we would go catch white perch, a.k.a. crappie, with the minnows, man, we fishing out there, and we go camping there. Um, 
summers we'd go down to Florida and we'd trim palm trees and eat, eat uh, sandwiches out of a ice chest that were there and dad would take us to St. Augustine and all these different places and all of those things, they're still here, they're right here. You see, those were the times he was winning my heart. That when one day dad would say, son, we can't do that anymore. We can't go there anymore. Look, I don't want you to hang around that group anymore. Man, I was kind of like, ooh, I was conflicted. But I said, okay. Sometimes begrudgingly, sometimes after a little bit of argument that dad always won. But I was willing to come. Because he'd won my heart. I trusted that man. And I'm thankful for that man. And that woman that God gave me in my life. I read this verse the other day. And like it was a pop-up book. It says that the animals were brought. But his family came. You know. Let me ask you this and we're going to close. Would your kids follow you onto the ark? Would your kids follow you on the ark? Have you worked hard to win their heart? Or if you said, all right, kids, family meeting. Those were always scary, right? Family meeting. We're fixing to build a boat. All right, which lake? No, no, no. We're going to build out here in the cow pasture. All right? Is he knows it's going to be like a, you know, a 14-footer, a 16-footer? No, hundreds of footers. And immediately you're thinking, what are our friends going to think? Well, you know what they're going to think. They're going to talk bad about you. You're like, okay, Dad, look, this is okay. We're going to follow you. Would your kids follow you onto your ark, whatever God called you to do, because you've won their heart? So, well, you know what you're talking about? Man, I've got college paid for. Hey, thank God for that. I've got college paid for. Man, they're getting a brand new convertible when they graduate and all that and all that. Uh, no, 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 no. Just because you gave them stuff and you work for stuff don't mean you've earned their heart yet. Winning their heart, look, it's not as expensive as you think it is. It's just hard work. Hard work. Can I ask you something, husbands? Would your wife follow you onto your ark? Have you won her heart enough that she knows that man walks with God enough that even though it sounds nutso what God's calling him to do, I want to get on board. I want to get on board. What about you wives? Would your husband follow you? I know the husband's supposed to leave, but hear me out. Have you won his heart? Have you won his heart? Or look, you don't have to say, look, this is what God wants us to do. You're going to... No. Or they say, okay, we're doing this. And they come. You don't have to bring them. You see, that's the work that I believe Noah put in. Would your kids get on the ark, or do they see something different on Monday? Then you showed them on Sunday, and they think this is just a show. Brother Miller and I were talking years ago, years and years ago, before I ever moved here. And I said, I believe that inconsistency is just as dangerous as immorality. Man, we're going to make sure that our kids aren't smoking and drinking and going to the boats. Well, we're going to make sure of that. And yet they see you on Sunday, and they see you on Monday. They're like, oh, that's what this is. Do you know it took over 100 years for Noah to build this thing, right? But for some reason, his kids stuck with him. 
For some kid, for some reason, his kid said, you know what? We're just going to keep on coming. We're just going to keep on coming. Man, evidently Noah's faith was real. Because if Noah's faith was just a Sunday morning faith, I don't think, look, I think he'd had to bring them. I don't think they would have followed him. Folks, tonight, the work is the priority of the heart. That's why Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, keep, thine heart, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. There's a lot of things vying tonight for the heart of our home. Never in my 42 years of life and 27 years in ministry, never have I seen the battle so fierce for the home. It's a fight. Everybody's fighting something. Everybody's home's been stressed. Everybody's has. Don't lie and say it's not. Or you get moved up the target list of the devil tomorrow. I promise you. Pride's like a big old red balloon that attracts the devil. He sees you coming. Yeah, watch out. He's coming. But tonight we've got to understand that just as Noah found grace, we can find grace. What does grace do? It gets us from where we're at to where we need to be. That's what the ark was. The ark was grace. It got them to where they needed to be. Now, folks, tonight, there's grace for us. If, number one, we see the need, what's the need? To preserve our home. Fight for your home. Don't be a lazy parent. Don't be a lazy husband. Don't be a lazy wife. But You know, the Bible says in Matthew, I think, 23, if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, you know what he would have done? I'm just going to give you Jeremiah Andrews' version of this, okay? He just set up with a shotgun. I know some of you guys have an itchy trigger finger. You're just waiting to shoot somebody. And you find out somebody's coming over to your house, you're sitting there with a smile on your face because you finally get to use that tactical gun that you told your wife you needed. You're waiting on them. If I knew something was going to threaten my home, I'll stay up all night. I'll have the weapons ready. And we're going to put up a fight. Why? Because my home's that important. That's not the threat. The threat is spiritual. Number one, the need is the preservation of our home. Why? Because that gives us the opportunity to possess the promises that we could have. It's not just from something. It's for something. But what's the work? Here it is tonight. I'm done. It's the priority of the heart. It's the priority of the heart. Someone said once, never forgot, a teenager, I heard this. Rules and regulations without relationship equals rebellion. Rules and regulations without relationship equals rebellion. You might find it a little easier to get them to follow if you win their heart. You wouldn't have to grab them by the ear. We're going to church this morning. I told you to get your Bible out right now. I don't want you to sit there and think about how much you love Jesus. You wouldn't have to bring them. They'd be willing to come if we just put in the work to win their heart. Mom, dad, husband, wife, teenagers, are you willing to put in the work for that priority of the heart? Folks, tonight we got to get on board. It's not just us. we got to get our families on board. Why? There's trouble coming, but God says there's grace. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.